I beg your pardon for speaking as I did, mademoiselle, but allow me to tell you what I have seen. Well, what did you see, sir? I saw your ecstasy at the sound of the voice, Christine, the voice that came through the wall, and that is what makes me so afraid for you. I believe you are under a very dangerous spell. Did you rummage to fruition? March 25th, 1997. This is my new diary. To fill you in, this is what the situation is. I consider it pretty sad. Last year at spring break, I saw the Phantom of the Opera. I am sorry to say my life has not been the same since. I am obsessed, and the bad thing is that I can't help it. I have actually gone through a few stages. Before I saw it, my life was semi-normal. It was a bit easier to enjoy life to the fullest. Now whatever I'm doing, it's always phantom. 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 Yeah. Um, wow. Welcome, welcome. You know, I don't know how this is going to go, but I do, I do have my journal. We've alluded to it before. Uh, just a bone-chilling record of my early days in the fandom. And just as either a, th a thank you or a punishment to those who have left such kind reviews and the person friend of the pod who slid into my dms and said that you like it and it's chaotic just a little thank you to you so i i did run this past kara but i was thinking you know maybe listen for each positive review i will read some more of that shit where truly anyone can log on and hear it we will see if that backfires but i don't know what do you think man yeah, I think, you know, we don't have a Patreon, but no. this is certainly, <laughs> yes, for every review we receive, uh, we will get more insight into 1997, Kristen. I'm going to say positive. Like, I don't want to force people to say words that are untrue, but if you drag my vocal fry, you you won't be getting the part where I scream about the presence of sex in Phantom by Susan K. Spoiler, I did not like it. For a positive review, and um, hey, I don't know, maybe if uh, if our Instagram gets a hundred followers, I will got to do something clown like. But that's just a. Uh, I was in a contemplative space this week, so really, really spending time with that journal. But Kara, so you did not spend your time that way this week, but you you did spend your time in another way that's very relevant to our podcast. Yeah, I lived an unexamined life this week, as Walt Whitman would hate, but yeah. Phantom Corner. Mondays right mm -hmm. now are understudy days as the show is closing. At At time of recording, there are 50 shows left, which is so sad. And I don't think it's going to get extended again because, as we know, uh, not friend of the pod, enemy enemy of the pod, Ramin Karamlu, was teasing like, oh, I'm going to need my phantom mask. He oh, I'm was, going to. He was. I'm going to need that. He kept like posting thirst traps in a Phantom of the Opera shirt. Uh, and then he revealed that, no, he's not showing up to the Broadway show. He's not going to do Love Never Dies on no. Broadway. He's not going to do a concert benefit or something. He is going to be on a chandelier that's on fire in the it 
Italy production. Italy is finally getting a production. Shout out to friend of the pod. I'm not sure if you want me to say your name, but what truly one of the first friends I made in the fandom who's never gotten to see Phantom live before and is finally going to get to see it. And just I'm I'm so excited for everyone who hasn't gotten to see it and is going to get to. But just uh, shout out to the Italian fans. So happy for you. Shout out to the Greek fans. Hope you're enjoying your production. If we have a single Korean fan that is listening, I am jealous of you, pals, because you're you're about to get some excellence in March. China as well. And as we've talked about, the West End production. I think we might have hyped Earl, but just a shout out to Paige Blankson. There's a new alternate on the West End. And I only mention it because like she's really kind of made a great she's kind of made a splash there. I've just heard people say such great things about her. And there's a bit of audio out there. And she just has such a lovely voice. And, you know, we may be struggling here (laughs) in the U.S., and Kara did struggle this week, and she will speak on it. But um, yeah, Rick, call him Mr. Worldwide. And British fans, uh, once again, between her, Earl Carpenter, and the cocktails, you are blessed and highly favored. So, um, Ugh, Ka- I know. Kara, were you blessed and highly favored at any point recently? Would you say? No, no, I wasn't. So I don't know if you guys can sense like there's kind of like a glimmering energy around me, and that is because I am currently in the possession of the full Thanos gauntlet of Phantom of the Opera current understudies on Broadway. I've seen them officially. I have seen them all because on Monday I saw Greg Mills as the Phantom. Uh, Woo boy. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) It was just, he's so, so good. He's so talented. He's so nice. He's like a really nice guy in real life. And then like as the Phantom, like he was making so many really interesting choices He's just like a sad, desperate phantom, which I really, really like. And it was like really, I'm so glad because I was kind of like, oh, like, you know, I don't need to see all of them. Like, that's a little crazy, Kara. But um, I'm really glad that I saw him because he is so, so good. And Wednesday, I do have tickets to see Elizabeth Welch's last scheduled show. I'm sure she's going to be on more because like, you know the pandemic's not over and like you know people are off so I'm sure she'll go on again but Mm -hmm. like it's nice to have a scheduled show out so I was able to my friend and I are gonna go on Wednesday which will be exciting I feel like I've been really excited to talk about the chapters as of late and I've been hoping that I didn't hype them up to you too much uh how did this week live up to your expectations I'm excited it this is so it's so crazy (laughs) and like Wow, this book just like slaps. Like, I don't, <laughs> as the kids say, it's just so good. I've got earnest notes. I've got joke notes. I've got musical notes. Like, I saw these chapters are short. We are talking about chapter 11 and chapter 12. Now we're really, we're in it, baby. We're 41% of the way in, according to my Kindle, and uh, we're in it. Well, and just. To prepare our hearts and minds, I can't tell if you could tell from where we left off in these chapters, but we're famously big, big Rick stands on this pod. The is this your king hours? It's it's coming for us, friend. The time when we have to um, kind of reckon with and explain some things like I did write horny a lot, you know, like a scholarly person. Um, but also this woman is in fear. Yeah. So 
Yeah, we're going to have to reckon. Unfortunately, <laughs> not reckon too hard because, as I said, I am living an unexamined life. But yeah, I feel like we were pretty generous to Raul in the last chapter. He's still really great. He's not like, I don't know. He just acts like a dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. I mean, obviously, nuance dies on the internet, but like, I feel like I've seen this chapter, the chapter we're about to talk about, chapter 11. This is a chapter that the girlies point to when they're like, well, actually, Raul is just as abusive as the Phantom, Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> and it's like, I, okay, I don't want to bring too much negative energy to a otherwise fun space. But all types of abuse should be taken very seriously. Like emotional abuse is something to take very seriously. This this man is just getting in her business. He's going about things the wrong way. But uh, as we talked about previously, I shouted out to a little falcon in the winter soldier moment. Sometimes someone is wrong, but they're not wrong. And it's like, right. I feel like the first one we read especially is an example of actually Raul is horrible um, and she doesn't like him at all. Ain't right. necessarily so, fam. I, I'm <laughs> no, this is it's really fascinating. I don't even know if I have like an answer to like, I mean, obviously it's it's literature, but like, I don't know if I have an answer to like how she feels for real. But it's definitely not that she has no feelings for this man. It's not that she has no feelings for Rick either. Christine has two hands. If she didn't love Raul to some degree, the way that he would have been um, airborne when launched off the premises like DJ Jazzy Jeff in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because his fucking behaviors... No, I was yelling as someone who wants to like all the characters, but that to me, I'm like, no, this is what makes it a good book. <laughs> because Raul... He speaks on the audacity of Rick. I'm like, I, uh, is Rick the only one with the audacity, bud? I think not. And Miss Christine Daae in these chapters, I just, I don't know a better person. <laughs> exactly. Like, if we know anything about Christine at this point, it is that she is a boundary setting queen, sort of. Not all the time, but like, she definitely is like having some tough conversations. And she's like, if she didn't give a fuck about Raul, she would be like, I'm going to need you to leave forever. I have changed my number. I am not responding to your messages. Like, it's over for you. And she doesn't do that because I think she's very conflicted because she does care about him. Right. As the story progresses, and I even feel bad for kind of calling her dramatic in the other chapter for standing standing overlooking the sea in the night i mean i still think she's an aesthetic queen but we're really getting into the like oh my god christine is doing her best y'all pray for her hedge of protection it's true let's get started yeah chapter 11 forget the name of the man with the voice not gonna happen but you know great idea we tried <laughs> we Rebel, from the jump absolutely not but you know thank you so much christine for trying God, I know she tried so hard. So we where we last left Christine, we mm. had this blinding flash of light and she disappeared into the mirror and Rick did she disappears. Rick did pyrotechnic close up magic. Uh Christine had a look of ecstasy upon her face. Raul was triggered by a lot of things but made sure to be triggered by her looking ecstatic. And he like somehow flew backwards and I don't we don't know what this man did, but it was just like he 
he absconded with her in an astounding pyrotechnic display of close-up magic. It's true. Um. <laughs> so he, it was just really driven home at the end of the last chapter, just how powerful we know, we know it's Eric, how powerful Eric's voice is on many levels. I don't know how deep this is meant to go, but I think Raul is very disturbed that it had such a powerful effect on him in my mind, I think he's projecting a little bit of that onto Christine while also just thinking like, oh, no one's supposed to enjoy anything that much. It's of the devil. I'm triggered. So I just, I think there's more going on there than it's just, he's like trying to be her hall monitor. <laughs> but yeah. Well, and also we have to consider like, they've been chit chatting for a few weeks now. And like, I'm thinking about all the times that they've interacted. It's always like, oh, Christine looked on him in fear. Or terror, or like she's really depressed and bummed out and like sleep deprived, or she's like got a childish like glimmer of joy in her eyes. Like it's all of these like middle of the road or like negative emotions that she's experiencing when she's with Raul. And now it's like this is like she is so happy, she's so excited. He's only seen her like this when she's on stage or when she's talking to Rick. And it's like, why not with me? And when she took off her mask at the gala, it was giving, I just woke up. I'm not sick enough to stay home. I have arrived at class in the sweatpants. I just, I can't even, I've, I've not even put on a lip balm. I don't have a lip smackers on my person. I'm, she looked like everything's dry. Skin's dry. It's over. Something about her bloodless lips. I was like, it's not sounding great, but like he was shaken by how truly unwell she looked which is relevant to the scene before us. So he's like, she's been abducted. She looked terrible and unwell. I don't know what he's expecting to find at Mama Valerius's house, but uh, it's not what he does find. Nope. He shows up and he's like, oh my God, she was tired. She was exhausted. She was yanked through this, like disappeared. Like there's no way this woman is not going to be like, drinking a liquid IV horizontal in her bed like if she is ill if if she's she's even even there there. yeah and he walks into uh truly a scene that you might walk into if you come to my house which is uh everyone's just knitting little tasks not a pedialyte in view no she looks great christine is working on lace work which could either be nerd corner uh could be crocheting could also be like bobbin lace work which would be very intricate and and uh involved and that is a craft i don't know how to do mama valerius is in bed she's knitting and uh christine looks amazing christine got a facial christine is glowing from the inside out she is unfortunately she's got a glow about her Kristen. i mean it does say this is funny never did a lovelier face a brow more pure or eyes more doe-like. So she's she's got the eye makeup look on point. Bend more modestly over a chastely plied needle. I don't know what a chastely plied needle is, but she's looking hot yet modest, you know. God. And so he's like, wow, that's crazy. She stands up, showing no sign of emotion. She's like, hey, come on in. And Madame Valerius is like, hey, Christine's back. Her friendly spirit let her back to us. It's giving, like, the people in, like, the horror movie that, like, have made peace with the fact that their town is insanely haunted. She's just like, 
hey, like, I'm vibing with it. Like, I'm not questioning the spirit situation. Christine is surrounded by people who are incapable of not simply fumbling the bag immediately because she has to say, Mama, what did I say? What did we just talk about? You had one job. Yeah. So she's like, don't I, no, you know that it's not like an angel. And she's like, what? I can't hear you. Christine is making hilarious gestures at Mama Valerius. And she's just like, no, like, no, the, the angel of music, man. And she's like, I'm begging you to shut the fuck up. Okay, these are the chapters where the things I love most about Christine just start really jumping out, like her bravery, her backbone, how funny she can be, how caring she can be. I will say she needs to learn to think a few more steps ahead when she's trying to make these claims because she's like, there's no angel of music. And Mama Valerius is like, well, someone was giving you voice lessons. And she's like, fuck, like. <laughs> Right. She's like, I don't have this lie straight enough. That's the problem. And that's like always been the problem. And and Rick knows this as well. Is like, if there's no angel of music, then it is a, a man has taken you to his basement twice a week for three months. <laughs> like, that's bad. That's way worse than like, there's a spirit like helping you achieve like this higher level of music. Yeah, and I mean, completely understandable and fair of her to be standing on a cliff dramatically thinking, it's not an angel, it's some dude, and is my reputation in tatters now? I already don't have any friends. So, like, she's dealing with a lot, but there, I'm, so I'm so sorry, Christine. There's a lot of times when she just walks right into someone immediately debunking her claim, and I'm like, she's doing her best. <laughs> it is no, funny. No, I mean, it makes sense, like... Christine can't lie for shit. This woman is like so kind and so, you know, thoughtful and like so compassionate. And that's her thing. But the girl cannot lie. She knows how to be an actress. I think if she has time to prepare for the deception, she can do it. We will come to see that. No, Christine knows how to uh, lip sync for her life. But she's just not quick on her feet with like it seems like her her bad problem is like she's got it and she's like yep no angel of music and then they're like i'm sorry so here's a couple follow-up questions and it's like ah fuck she's like no it is not a subject that could be of the remotest interest to raul over here oh now girl can't stop won't stop walking into it you know he's trying to wipe you She's trying to like reverse psychology him into not asking questions. And unfortunately, that is just making him ask more questions. But it's also like, why do you think he's here? He's just like, hey, do you remember how last night was fucking nuts? And she's like, huh? Yeah. So she says, no, 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 no. Shut up. Shut up. We don't need to talk about that. Raul can't possibly care about it. He's like, no, because anything that concerns you interests me to a degree, which perhaps you will understand one day. Okay, sir, it's not that deep, but okay. Did you have any thoughts on this first little speech of his here? No, I'm sorry. I'm buffering. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, given what happened, what you said to me, I did not expect to see you back so soon. No one would be more delighted at your return than I if you weren't so set on keeping a secret, which could have fatal consequences for you. I have been your friend for too long to not be worried, as is Madame Valerius, about a highly fraught situation, which will go on being dangerous until we get to the bottom of this. Christine for you will certainly end up by being its victim. And then Madame Valerius seems to be like, hold on, is Christine in danger? <laughs> Bestie, I'm begging you. Uh, Christine is doing the like, no, 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 making the gesture at her throat, like, do not fucking say shit. 
And then Raul just goes, yeah, she is in danger. And this woman is like, oh, my God, has never had this thought before. Indeed, she is, said Raul, boldly ignoring the signs which Christine made to him. Okay, this first little speech of his is not that bad, but he did say fatal. Okay, this man is triggered that she had an orgasmic look on her face. Fight me. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that it's fatal. Exactly. If anyone knows that it's fatal, it's Christine, because she keeps being like, do you want to die, friend? Like, I Yeah, it's just, I don't think that he's claiming it's serious for the actual reasons that it's serious. Like, he's... Right. Because he's hiding in the dressing room, and uh, we'll get to it, but like, yeah, she's like, that's going to get you killed way faster than what I'm doing. Madame Valerius is like, whoa, 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 what, go back. A fraud, a trickster, is taking advantage of Christine's good nature. And I'm screaming at this point because the words Raul is using, he's so triggered. He's so triggered. A trickster. But also this makes sense because there is a huge overlap between people who like Loki from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and people who like Rick, so... When I say huge overlap, I mean, like, I know a couple people, but still. This, though, I mean, he's wrong, but he's not wrong. Rick Rick do be doing what Rick do. But at this point in the in the story, Raul probably does think that uh, Christine is just off at the club slash getting railed in a not God-honoring way by someone who looks like Tom Hiddleston. No, he thinks that Loki has Christine in his clutches. For sure. And he's just like, why is no one like he's just his whole goal is to like hear her say it. And she's like, I'm not going to say it. One of the only times on record that hashtag why is no one talking about this? You're right to say it, bud. (laughs) But the way he says this, the matter, madam, is that a very earthbound mystery hangs over you, over Christine, over all of us. A mystery much more terrifying than any number of ghosts and evil spirits. It's so dramatic. It's very youth group. He's like. You know what's actually scarier than demons? The demons in boys' hearts. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> relax. <laughs> but it also sucks. So, like, it sucks because it's like, obviously, Christine is, like, not telling her mom this stuff because, like, it's going to make her life a lot more difficult in kind of a teen way. But it's also, like, I did feel for her because it's also, like, this woman is bedridden. Mm-hmm. Do not kill her. By telling her that her daughter's being dicked down by a phantom. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, she's like, there is nothing that can happen from this, but Mama Valerius just gets upset. It will be bad for her health. She's probably too old to be moved to the sea for her health. So exactly. It's just like, don't tell her like this is not involving. It's not involving you, Raul, but also not involving her. I am my own woman, which let's get into it. So she's like. I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out. And Christine's like, don't listen to him, don't listen to him. And she's like, well, promise you'll never leave again. Because Christine keeps leaving for these, like, weird stretches of, like, a couple days or whatever. And she's like, she doesn't say anything. And then Raul's like, no, you need to tell us. We swear we'll never ask about your past, but you need to promise that you'll stay with us so we can keep you safe. And she goes, I don't want you to swear any such thing. No. Nor will I promise to do what you ask. I am a free agent, sir. You have no right to try to control my actions, and I would be glad if you would not try to do so in the future. As to what I've been doing these last two weeks, there is only one man who has any right to ask me to account for myself, my husband. But I have no husband, and I have no intention of marrying ever. Yes, bangers. There's so much here. 
I've hyped the movie Amadeus before on the pod and we'll do it again. But there's a point where the father comes to visit and he's talking about how the household should be run. And he says, we at some point. And the wife goes, we? Who is we? Listen, old man. And I just always think of that when Raul says, you must promise, Christine. It's the only way to reassure your mother and me. So Raul, can you clarify to me when you became part of the committee? Like, what the? <laughs> right. Like, get out of here, people. Um, when you read her say, as to what I've been doing these last two weeks, there is only one man who has any right to ask me to account for myself, my husband. That line in isolation, what does it do for you? Uh, I lost my shit, but also, like, is that not Rick? It's Rick. She says I have no husband. A girl has no name, but also... I, a girl has no husband, and it's it's Rick. But then in another classic, bless her heart, Christine Die moment, while flinging her arms out in emphasis. Oh, yeah. She held out her hand to Raul as if the gesture would make her words more solemn. So she's like, I have no husband and no intention of marrying ever. Um, okay, that's cool to say. Uh, if you aren't wearing a fucking wedding ring, she's got a gold ring on her finger. And she goes, it was a gift, which is hilarious. Um... Blushing again as she tried unsuccessfully to hide her discomfiture. It's giving friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark, which, okay, that's either from an Adam Sandler movie or Dumb and Dumber. I don't know which one. I know that it is the only time on a Phantom podcast you'll hear that quoted, but it was a gift. Now, girl. Now, girl. <laughs> Mm-mm. Like, that's not the defense you think. It is. It was a gift. Why are you wearing it? And you're wearing it. She's wearing it as a wedding ring. And he goes, Christine, since you don't have a husband. So this is what I'm talking about with like, this man is quick on the rebuttal because uh -huh. he is a debate team captain. Oh my God. Christine, since you don't have a husband, the, the ring can only have been given to you by someone who hopes you will become his wife. He's not, he's not wrong. Why do you go on lying to us? Why do you keep torturing me? It's, it's actually not about you, Ralph, but okay. That ring is a promise, and that promise has been accepted. And Madame Valerius, simply still in the room, goes, and that's what I said. <laughs> and he's like, and what did she say in response? And Christine's like, I don't fucking know. Like, Jesus Christ, like, why is this, like, you know, are you a cop? In every version, it's funny. In text, the answer is, what did she answer? What I chose. She's like, I love it. So we don't even really get, like, she knows this, like, it's flopping, her explanation of this. And she goes, I think, you know, what is this, the fucking Spanish Inquisition? And Raul is shaken. And Gaston Leroux is like, I would like to remind you that I know exactly how men are. Exhibit 500. <laughs> Iconic. It says, Raul, thoroughly shaken, was afraid to give her an opportunity to say anything which would mean a clean break, which is really interesting because it's like, Raul knows this girl is two seconds from being like, you need to fuck off. And he doesn't want that. He's like, I'm so sorry that I can't let you speak because it uh, simply would override what I want right now. So he's like, I don't want to hear it because he knows what she's going to say. And he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is giving no tap. I apologize. He broke in quickly for speaking to you like that, mademoiselle. It's giving I'm sorry if that was I'm sorry if you took that the wrong way. I don't know. It's adjacent to that, I feel. Like, no, he's not it's fucking It's like a non-apology. So sorry if you were offended. And he's like, well, I saw some shit. And she goes, okay, bitch, what did you see or think you saw? Let's hear it. And so she's sitting back in her chair like, 
let's let's get into it. And he's like, I saw you react with ecstasy to the sound of the voice, Christine. The voice which came out of the wall or from the dressing room next to yours or some adjoining chamber. Yeah, ecstasy. And this is what makes me so afraid for you. First of all, women can have feelings, so relax. But highlight that. I think, yes, ecstasy, and that is what makes me so afraid for you. 90% of the motivation right there. Like, no, I think he cares about her as a person, but he's so unsettled by the sensuality of it all. Yes. And it's like, you're not my dad. Uh, someone has cast a highly dangerous spell on you. And yet you are perfectly <laughs> aware that you have been tricked for you just said that there's no angel of music. Oh, this poor girl. She said one thing wrong. If you believe that, why did you go to him again? Why did you stand looking radiant as if you were hearing choirs of angels? That voice is very dangerous, Christine. Because when I heard it, I was so spellbound that you suddenly vanished before my very eyes, leaving me with no idea where you have gone. Yeah, he's projecting. He likes the voice, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then he... This book has men that are invoking Brian Daae, Brian Patrick Page Daae, Daddy Daae, in a way that you clowns can keep my name out of your mouth, first of all. Like, right. He's, he's like, oh, Christine, in the name of God, in the name of your father, in, who is now in heaven, who loved you so much and loved me too. Like, okay, and Peggy. Like, no one was talking about that. I know. You must tell me whose voice it is, and we'll be able to save you from yourself. No! That's where he would have been punted out the door. God. Come, Christine. What is the man's name? Now, we know that he knows. Mm -hmm. What is the man's name? The man with the gall to put a gold ring on your finger. I mean, if it's one thing Rick does have, it's the gall. Well, and in my in the text version, it does say the audacity. Uh, he's got the audacity, too. And she goes, well, that's something you will never know. And iconic he heard the voice of madame valerius who seeing the hostility with which her ward spoke to the viscount now took christine's side incredible she'll switch we sides stand. real quick yeah yeah she's like obviously my daughter is upset and she goes well she does love this man which no one was saying but okay if she does love this man monsieur that is none of your business oh <laughs> <laughs> and so now raul's crying I'm like, I love it. I, I believe Christine really does love him. Okay, what's the problem, guys? Like, everything points to it. That's not my main concern. Okay, wasn't it, though? Now he's flipping this shit around. What I'm not sure is whether the man Christine loves is worthy of her. Raul? What? Raul works out a lot to be able to move those goalposts um, so frequently as he does. He's doing it all the time. I know. He's like, oh, my God, he's projecting. And so Christine says, you must let me be the judge of that, sir. Yeah. And she blasted Raul with a look of withering anger. Withering. I am in love with her. Mm -hmm. When a man intent on seducing. All right. He's got his chair flipped backwards and he's like, girls, it's just the girls in the youth group. And he's like, <laughs> the cool youth pastor and he's like what men have like lust in their hearts <laughs> when a man <laughs> when a man intent on seducing a young woman stoops began Raoul, who felt his courage begin to desert him to such fanciful romantic methods first of all girl nothing is stopping you from going and getting her favorite flowers from the bodega so let's relax just because game game needs to recognize game and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. So the man must be a scoundrel and the girl a ninny. Is that it? Yep. That's, and then he's mad. 
How can you damn out of hand a man whom you've never met? Yeah, let's get them in a room together. Who nobody knows and about whom you know nothing. Yeah. She's like, you you don't know what you're talking about. And then he goes, oh, I do know. He goes, I do know what you're talking about. Because this man's name. And she goes, say it. And he goes, Rick. I know what you are. Say it. Say it. Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's like, oh, shit. Because, like, this implies this bitch is back in her fucking dressing room. And she's like, how many times do I have to tell you? You're going to die. And she's like, when did you hear that? And he's like, well, when you said it to yourself. And she goes, this makes the second time you've been known to eavesdrop outside doors, sir. And he's like, oh, no, I wasn't outside the door. I was in your room. But also, you said poor Eric. Well, not far away, there was a poor Raul who heard you spiraling. Just spiraling at this point. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, did you ever think of me? And she's just like, no, (laughs) no. Why did I like? Okay. And she goes, do you want to get yourself killed? And he goes, maybe. And here is where, okay, first of all, she hasn't pitched him out yet, but also he said the word with so much love and despair that Christine could not stifle a sob. So it's like, you might not like how he's acting, but she does have feelings for him, team. Why the book is interesting. And he's trying so hard and he's not being put off by all this stuff. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) He's going to die. It's also like he he doesn't have like a podcast that he can listen to about how to not. He has no resource of. Yeah, no one's been taught how to not speak to women fucking condescendingly. Like he can win a debate with other yelling men, but he has no soft skills. No, exactly. I know because like she's crying. He's crying. It's a fucking mess because he's like, he's quoting her back at her. He's like pointing out her logical fallacies. It's like, cool, dude. Like, that is nice to do. I don't know, in your philosophy class. This is like a, a your girlfriend. Like, do you want to be right or do you want to have a girlfriend at the end of this? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, my God. So she's crying and she just like takes his hands with unadulterated tenderness. And she's like, hi, friend. You gotta fucking forget that name. She's not even saying it. Mm-hmm. And erase all trace of his name from your memory and do not, never again, try to solve the mystery of the man's voice. And he goes, is the mystery then so very terrible? There is no mystery more terrible anywhere on earth. A silence fell between the two young people. Ralph felt utterly crushed by it. Swear you'll never try to find out. Swear you'll never enter my dressing room unless I ask you. Do you promise to invite me? Girl, not the point. (laughs) So she's like, fine, tomorrow you can come to my dressing room. And he goes, okay, fine, then I won't look into this Rick situation. And he kissed her hand and left, cursing Eric and vowing that he would be patient. Uh, Reader, he's not going to do any of that shit. And that was a lie. Chapter 12, Above the Traps, because... Rick has the club going up on a Tuesday. Oh my god, this, so the fucking Paris Opera House is a trap house, unfortunately. <laughs> but like not in the fun drug way and the there's fucking traps everywhere. <laughs> um It has like a love it. two and a half star rating on Glassdoor. So Raoul's like, I'm not gonna promise anything unless you, Christine Daye on hinge sets the next date and you have a specific time and so she's like fine we you can come to my dressing room so she shows up 
And she's super nice. Sweet and friendly. Still wearing the ring. They chit-chat. She's like, hey, just real quick, just so I have it, um, what day are you leaving? And he's like, the 23rd or something. And she's like, great. So that leaves us a month. And then you're leaving forever. And he's like, well... <laughs> Her trying to like hype him up for how it'll be great, but it's like the sending the kid away to camp energy. Like it's just so <laughs> It really is. When he told her that fame without love meant nothing to him, she treated him like a child whose troubles never last long. He's like, could you be serious? I could die. And she's like, Yeah, so could I. Which is probably he's like, What the Incredible. fuck? Incredible. Incredible. I feel like Christine like is kind of like, look, I have the worst issues right now. It's cute that you think you have one. Like you signed up for that. You signed up to like go on this trip to study abroad in Antarctica. I have real problems. So she's like not taking him seriously, which is really funny um, because he doesn't take her seriously all the time. So she she considers something mm -hmm. and he's like, hey, friend, what are you thinking about? And she's like, well, we're never going to meet again. And he's like, okay, seem a little excited about that. That's what makes you look so happy? I'm like, are you, are you trying to walk into own goals, buddy? But okay. Right. And so she's like, well, like, we only have a month. And he's like, or we love each other forever. And she's like, we only have a month. <laughs> so she says, don't talk like that, Raoul. You know it's out of the question. We shall never marry, as you well know. Which... Do we know that? <laughs> like, does Raoul know that? I guess she said it, but it's like, you seem to have a reason that you haven't articulated. I mean, I think it's the class thing, but... Mm. I think it's Rick has said something to her. Oh, I mean on Raoul's end. Oh, yeah. Why he's just not out and out like, I want to marry you. And so then she gets real fucking psyched. Childish glee. So again, we mm -hmm. have this adjective where she's like, she's interacting with Raoul on like a kid level. And then she mm -hmm. seems to be getting, whenever she thinks about Rick or is talking about Rick, like it's like this very like grown up and like she's been forced to kind of grow up a little bit like when thinking about the issues and problems and like feelings that she has with Rick. So she's back to childish with um, Raul and Raul's like, okay. And she goes, well, holding out both hands to him or rather giving them to him as if she had decided to make him a gift of them. But if we can't marry, we could get engaged. No one would know but us, Raoul. If people can get married in secret, why can't they get engaged in secret? Consider us engaged, dear Raoul, for a month. One month from now, you will sail away, and I shall be happy, for I shall have the memory of that month for the rest of my life. What the fuck? And then she says she was delighted with her scheme. Then she was serious again. It will make us happy and harm no one. So she literally is the Joe Biden meme of helps everybody, helps the economy, harms nobody non-spoilers corner but like you know there's a lot that christine knows about everyone's various threat levels that he doesn't know so even if you haven't read ahead i'm thinking about the part where she's like i could die too which i feel like he could have followed up on that a little bit more but to me to me when she says i shall be happy have the memory of that month for the rest of my life i don't know how long girly thinks the rest of her life is gonna be uh <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, that's an insanely disturbing thing. Like, right. he's only going to be gone for, like, how long? He A said six years, months. I think. Oh, couple six months, yeah. He's not going to be gone forever. And when he comes back, she'll be, like, you know, 25 or something, and he'll be the same age. They can still get married. 
Why is she talking like you'll never see me again? Why indeed. <sighs> so she's like, this will be fun. Also very fun. You know, what would engaged if you're engaged to be married? I mean, it doesn't seem like she's taking it super seriously, but it's like, why does it matter if you're not going to get married? Why would you get engaged? So it just makes me think like she's like kind of treating this like a pseudo marriage. I mean, I guess like dating didn't exist or whatever. Like there was courting, but it wasn't like what we would think of as like dating or talking to people. But like, why not just hang out with a person for a month? To me, her energy is, she seems like she's looking forward to a very bleak future after Raul leaves, be that long or not. But um, regardless of how she feels about Rick, which is at sometimes ecstatic, it's a, uh, it's not great. So just, it's real sad to me. It's almost like, to me, it seems like she, she feels doomed and wants to have a happy thing while she can. Right. And it, yeah, it makes me think like too, like having like this engagement means like, okay, you know, we can be alone together and we can, we can hang out all the time and it's not going to be weird because we're engaged. And it says too, like, then they start, they, they just talk about everything because now there's no boundaries between them because they're quote engaged, even though she knows and he knows that like, or yeah, I don't know what he knows, but she knows that like this shit isn't going to happen. So, right. Raul is like, sure, because Raul, <laughs> this poor boy is so desperate. Um, but he's like, cool, cool, cool. He jumps to, he gets on his knee, on bended knee, and he's like, let me ask you, like, will you marry me? And she's like, hell yeah, let's play at being engaged. <laughs> Mademoiselle, I have the honor to ask for your hand in marriage, but you are already holding both of them. That's very cute. It acknowledges here that he's like, this is whack as fuck, but it'll give me some time to figure things out. That's not in text. It really has him just kind of going along with it, which you, you, you know, you had great thoughts on the other chapter. Like, you might be annoyed by him at times, but he's quick on the uptake. Like, he's trying to figure things out. He's like, I, okay, yes, yes, I want to spend time with you, but also this gives me time to work on it. Yeah, he's, like, not listening to her when she says playing at engagement, which, I don't know, did text translate that the same way? Yes, yes, but he cuts out things that really dumb both of them down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, it's interesting that she's like, yeah, we're gonna, like, fuck around and, like, we're not taking this seriously. This is playing. And he's just like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna figure this shit out. And then <laughs> this... This line, I think, is important, though. The idea that neither of them would be able to keep the promises they made when the month was up put thorns among the roses, made them mm. sad as well as happy. The rest of that paragraph is pretty much the same, but I think leaving that sentence out, because it's like in text it comes across like, they're just not thinking beyond the present, but both of them very much are. <laughs> yeah, they both know what's going on. Yeah, he's just like, sure, like, this this spies us both time. Like, I think they both know certain things are doomed it's it depends on who you know what Raul thinks versus what christine knows uh, mm -hmm. about that level <laughs> the threat level but yeah i liked they played hearts the way children play ball except that it was their hearts that they were throwing so they need to be very very careful not to drop them mm. sigh and so then Raul gets like his little feelings hurt and he goes hey what if i don't go to the north pole and she's like bestie you gotta <laughs> 
so sorry. <laughs> Do not. You have to. Then she realized, like, uh-oh, like, we we thought we could do this without getting our feelings hurt, but, like, we can't, which was sad. Well, and the, it's subtle changes in the language. She realizes, this conveys, oh, she realizes this actually was a very, very bad idea. Yeah. Still, like, the, the main points of what happened still happen in text, but she's just more intelligent in this, and you... I think it leads to more empathy for some of her choices that that are confusing at first, you know? Yeah. I think she's, you know, maybe she's protecting her heart a little bit more because she, again, she knows the threat level. But when he's like, no, 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 like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to pursue my dream. I'm going to stay here and, like, we can stay together. And she's like, ah, fuck, he got he caught too many feelings, as, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of freaking out. I liked their little, like, it's interesting that they're hanging out in her dressing room. Yeah, well, and this is another really funny text part. It just, they dined on, and it makes it seem like they have the same meal every day, which consists, I, until I read this translation, I was like, oh, edible flowers, that's cool. No, they're not eating the flowers. It's a decoration. There are some moments in the text translation that's like, huh, all right. <laughs> they dined on flower on violets. The, I mean, they would just probably, these these two goofballs seem like they would just wander around and eat flowers. There's edible flowers. I think they would eat flowers that are simply not edible. Um, Ooh, uh, Kara being annoying corner. The violet signifies. I love, I mean, as someone who was a dramaturg on a production of Hamlet, I had to look up all the flowers, but I just looked them up again. But violets... Bunches of violence were used for newlyweds because they signify modesty and humility and a sign of innocence. They're a symbolic of faith, awareness, mystical awareness, inspiration, spiritual passion, profuseness, and sovereignty. Hmm. They're so doomed. They're fucked. So that evening, she's free, but he doesn't get a letter from her, even though they've been writing every day of their month. Their hmm. month. I'm rooting for them. I hate it here. And so he goes over to... I feel so bad for this man who's just, like, the only person that I can ask who's seen Christine. Because, like, this girl has no fucking friends. Like, she has no... She does not tell people where she goes. She doesn't have, like, a... Like, I share my location with my roommate. I'm always texting you. Like, last night when I was coming home at 1 a.m., I'm, like, texting you so I don't get murdered. Or if I do get murdered, we've got a timestamp on when I got murdered. Uh, the only person who knows if Christine Daae maybe didn't maybe get murdered or kidnapped is, like, the dizziest broad in Paris. She's up in the bed. She's watching the Home Shopping Network. She's like, yeah, Christine will be back in a couple days. Like, it's fine. Like, she's just It's not literally that. Yeah. And she's like, I didn't ask any follow-up questions. And Ral's like, thank you so much. I just wanted to know where she was. Yeah. He, he hated... Madame Valerius, who had given him the message with bovine matter-of-factness, which the word bovine jumped out to me. But he's like, wait, you're really just saying to my face, ah, she'll be back in a couple days? Unchaperoned? He tried to draw her out, but it was clear she didn't know anything. And she would raise one finger and say the words with a mothering sweetness intended simultaneously to urge the need for discretion and to reassure, which does not work with Raoul. It, he's walking away he's like wow what a great guardian really really on top of it yeah mother of the year madam valerius he's like it's not giving mother actually 
she's not mother for that. I know. It is interesting. I feel like this story couldn't happen. Like, as someone who likes exploring, like, Meg and Eric in a, in a different universe, but, you know, it's interesting because people do write, what if Meg was the one, like, the musical Meg, what if she was the one who was, like, who caught mm -hmm. the Phantom's eye or whatever? It's a different story because Madame Jury is a good mom or like you kind of you either have to like I have to like she's present her, like in one version. If there's a present and responsible and like kind of with it parent figure, this shit is not happening. It's like why they yeah. kill parents in Disney movies. If there is a guardian doing the bare fucking minimum, your girl's not mixing it up with Rick. Um, it's true. I don't think I could like if I disappeared for two days. I mean, I guess like now because I like don't live with my mother. But like if I disappeared for two days and lived with my mom, it, it, couldn't get away with it. No, there's no way. There's no universe. Even if I like didn't come home in the night, she's calling like the police. She knows the first 48 is the most important. Oh, and we do actually get a 48 hour shout out here. But no, um, <laughs> the first 48 Rick is like, I'm going to use all 48. Yeah, he does <laughs> acknowledge. Ugh. I said words that triggered her. We have such a short time together. Now she's gone for two of the days. It is my fault. It is my fault. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I know. I feel so bad for him because like, I think in some ways like she was like, oh, shoot, got a little too. He caught too many feelings like I got to mm -hmm. I got to go away. But like at the same time, we don't know if that was a Christine decision or what if Rick was like, nope. And so he's like he thinks it's all his fault, which is come on, babe. And then she reappears and she is fucking crushing it because Miss Carlotta is absolutely the victim of cancel culture. Um, no, but she's like, she fucked up and she's like, I am taking a social media rest. You cannot reach me. I Too am not traumatized going to, to perform. The club. Yeah, she is like, I am not. You can't find me. She's pulling a Taylor Swift in between 1989 and Reputation where you didn't see her for a year. Um, really looking forward to Carlotta's reputation era because that will be powerful. And so she found a way out of her contract, which is funny. You know, she just like screamed at those managers and she's like, no, you people did not keep me safe. Like I'm fucking done. And right. so Christine shows up La mm -hmm. and she is given a tremendous reception. Everyone is like it is a Beyonce concert. Everyone is losing it. They are cheering. They're like, this girl rocks. I'm really into this new this new uh, soprano and Ral is there, of course, because he's a supportive boyfriend, but he is fucking miserable. Everyone moved. Everyone clapped except one. Yeah. And he's just like so sad. He's so mad watching her succeed. First of all, I thought it was interesting that she's wearing the gold ring on the finger as she's performing. Because like I know uh -huh. that like you wouldn't wear a wedding ring. You don't wear a wedding ring when you're on stage like that's no. not unless it's your prop you have to take that shit off and so i thought it was interesting that she she kept it on even though she's performing this like role which i don't know if they would have had a wedding ring on in that role but it's not a prop baby it's that no. one and then whew, rick watch jump scare <laughs> well i didn't know so i didn't know if this was at first Raoul's negative thoughts his intrusive thoughts winning or if it was eric's <laughs> intrusive thoughts winning no, is it Raul doing negative self-talk or is Eric horny threatening whispering? And this is the first time that I ever thought, oh, what if he's really whispering because D Eric is in the walls? There's a non-zero chance that Eric's like, come at me, bitch. Like, <laughs> come get me. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. 
Yeah, I'm sure he's. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes tonight. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this morning. Uh, tonight she's still wearing that ring, which she did not get from you. Tonight she gave her soul once more, but not to you. If she won't tell you what she's been doing for the last two days, if she won't say where she's been, you'll have to ask Eric. I always thought this was Raul's negative self-talk. I'm like, oop, I think Rick just might be whispering in his ear. I really do. I really fucking hope so. And he's fucking listening to it, which iconic. And so Christine grabs his ass and throws him in the dressing room. And we get to see like a snippet of how she would be viewed for doing something like this. And like people are all the admirers are like pissed because she's not she's not going to stage door again, not in text them muttering what disgraceful it's a scandal that's fun yeah she's like she's not doing stage door she's not being nice on social media to her fans and stuff she might not even have an instagram and they're like they're pissed because they're like we're trying to stand i'm trying to run my christine Daye stan account and like you're making it really difficult because you're just fucking yeah. this guy which i assume that that's what they think Shutting the door in the face of the hangers on and admirers. Um, she's drawing a boundary in there, triggered, but also they oh probably my God, think boundary she's, queen. Also, they probably think she's fucking so. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I love Ralph. Ralph immediately he, the man's on bended knee and he's like, I'm so sorry, I fucked up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this woman who has like been through hell and gone to hell and back in the last 48 hours is mm -hmm. just like, What? <laughs> and so she starts crying because she's like, I'm sure just going through it and then we get with which happens a couple times then they mm. clung to each other mm. like a stricken brother and sister who have heard of a death in the family and meet to grieve their dead relative first of all relatable metaphor i guess <laughs> but just really interesting because he keeps saying like yeah they're they're like brother and sister and it's like okay these people are engaged and they're having little dinners and he's going to all her shows and they're talking about getting married but we have another line being drawn drawn here where it's like they're super platonic in the way that they're interacting or that it's not that it's not a romantic love but that it's not and again i'm not a like oh she should have gone with eric but i do kind of feel like gaston Leroux is very clearly making the point that it's not a sensual love for her at this yeah. time with raul exactly yeah I feel like Raul and Christine, like, they kind of know when, like, you know, she's feeling a lot of feelings or he's, like, really upset. And, like, they'll kind of dial back, like, whatever romantic thing they're doing to be, like, no, like, I'm here for you as, like, a a person. You know, you're grieving or, you know, I, I was here for you when your dad died and, like, shit like that. Whereas, like, I don't think right. Eric is necessarily giving her that, <laughs> that acknowledgement, well, like, to turn off the horny. This was, there's a lot here. These are why our episodes are so long, because it's a rich text. Why did you do it to us, Gaston? Without warning, she freed herself from his shy, gentle embrace, seeming to be listening to a sound which he could not hear, and with a brusque wave of her hand pointed toward the door. As he was on the threshold, she said in a voice so low that Raoul guessed rather than heard her words, Until tomorrow, dearest Raoul, and be happy. Tonight I sang for you. Again, no, it's this is not spoiler informed. Rick was saying some shit to her and she did her damnedest to say something to Raul that Rick could not hear. I love that. I love that. I I do stand like Christine Dye trying to like I respect her being like, 
I think I can fucking do this. I think I can keep Raul alive. And I think I can play Eric. And like, obviously, I know certain things about the story, but like, she's doing a really good job of being like, I think I can, I think I can fucking have these two guys not die. Okay, so she's like hugging him tightly without warning. So she just like pushes away from him, seems to be hearing something he doesn't, and is just kind of like, okay, out, but then whispers at him. What on earth was Rick saying to her? He like he's is he not saying some version of get him out of here immediately, Christine, or you won't like what happens. I'm kind of like yeah. He's like it's Rick hours, baby. Yeah, yeah. And um, she's like fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> yes. And yeah, she thinks I think that yeah that makes me think that like maybe not necessarily she's trying to like trick Eric, but she's like I can do this. I can follow the rules that have been set for me and like still keep this boy alive. And I like that it says Raul guessed rather than heard her words, which is like fun, gothic. Right. Like we don't know really if she said this, but like wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, Christine got to know that regardless of what he said, he's doing. Rick could be listening at any time. So the measures that she takes to try to be able to speak to Raul freely, and I see people online saying you know, the, the vast online world of Phantom, but like, oh my God, what an idiot to think that she could ever do anything in the opera house that Rick doesn't hear. Mm -hmm. Did you ever sleep with the lights on as a kid or like me, an adult, when I watched Silence in the Library or that thing of when you think there's something under the bed, but you, it's the whole, if I can get the light on before my feet touch the floor. Okay. If there was something under your bed, it's not going to matter, but, uh, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. So it's like, no. No, gosh. I made that exact note. That's so oh, funny. I literally but, wrote, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Like she, it's not that she doesn't know. And we'll get to the other part of this. But yeah, it's not that she doesn't know that he could be listening at any time. But she's like, he can't. I can't always be thinking about that. Because if I always was thinking about that, I wouldn't do anything. She's she's like, I have to just find a little secret moment every now and then to say what I want to say and let the words fall out. Right. She can't let him win. Well, and I don't know how Rick would uh, take tonight I sang for you delivered to Raul. I'm like, best hope he didn't hear it, girly. Because um, that's all he has. And he says, like, he, she's wearing my ring and she's singing for me. So, like, yeah, this we know yeah. for he just said that. So, like, that makes me think that we Rick know really that did he, say it. Yeah. yeah. That 48 hours, baby. <laughs> The two days away from each other had broken the spell which had sustained their innocent game of make-believe. Shit got real. Well, and, and this time when she comes back, like, before she looks rejuvenated and refreshed, and, like, this time she does come back to score a triumph, but not not doing her best in terms of mental health, one might say. No, in her dressing room, they looked at each other, not speaking, their eyes full of sadness. Raul had to make an effort not to stop himself from shouting out, I am jealous, jealous, jealous. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. And then she's like, fuck it, let's get out of here. But they don't leave the opera house. She just meant the dressing room. Let's just not stay in the dressing room. Yeah, which I understand. Uh, and he's like, cool, let's go to the country. Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, it was a jail, and with rage in his heart, he could sense its <laughs> he could sense his jail its jailer walking inside the walls. A jailer named Eric. 
Instead, she led him onto the stage and sat him down on the wooden rim of a fountain in the quiet and rather faded surroundings of the set of the next production. You know what this reminds me of? Any number of things, but what are you thinking in particular? <laughs> this reminds me of uh, in Yesvin Kopitz Phantom, not to be confused with Angela. Oh, shit. Yes. Sorry. I did think of this like when, when it gets more descriptive later. Yeah. In Yesvin Kopitz Phantom, there's a scene where Eric takes christine down to like this fake garden and like this fake nature and like the whole thing is fake it's all props and sets and old shit from other productions he made a rainforest cafe down there he (laughs) did leave a rainforest cafe down there and she's like wow this is almost real or like whatever there's like kind of a time where they're like they think it's real and then like kind of the facade is made clear and so eric does it with with christine but it's just cute that christine has done this with raul and so instead of like going outside which they probably should she's just like look at like the garden they walk through like the fake garden then they walk through the fountain and it says it was as if real skies real flowers real earth were permanently denied her and she was doomed never to breathe any air except that of the theater it's interesting to me that she's she's keeping raul in here Whereas I, I thought the same thing that Raul was thinking, which is like, oh, like, you know, let's go to Paros. Let's go to the country. Like, can we go right. to your house? Like something or like, can we go to the park or something like that would get her out of there? But I wonder if because my guess is once he's gone, she's stuck under the opera house forever is my guess. I wonder if she wants to kind of place positive memories in the opera house so she has those (gasps) in the place where she is stuck once Raoul leaves oh christine i'm just am i am i rick i'm just over here moaning oh christine but no but i love that i never thought of it that way before you know i don't know again don't know what happens but that would make me think of that so then i like also that like Raoul has turned off the bait captain brain because he's like i'm not gonna press Mm -hmm. you because we don't have that much time left so like he's listening and learning it did not work before (laughs) exactly and so she kind of like puts on a brave face and she you know she's just like imagining like oh look at how cute this is and like look at how beautiful this is admit it Raoul, our love has a place among them for it too is an invention and can never be more than an illusion and Raoul is just so sad okay the text keeps in the part where it's like yeah she's kind of stuck there and she's always she's trying to talk it up to Raoul and kind of make it fun but it cuts out her saying admit it Raoul, our love has a place among them for it too Mm. is an invention like you just said which to me it takes away her self-awareness which i think is is quite a shame yeah She's such a great character. What is it, Christine? You know, the line in the musical is like, Christine Dye always head in her clouds. Yeah, in some ways, like, and she's like painting this beautiful, like, narrative out of this. She, They're literally sitting on a set right now, and she's like kind of making things up. But she's not doing it like out of a childish, dumb, innocent place. She's doing it because she's like, look, we got two weeks left. Like, this shit is about to go fucking south. And yeah. I am going to kind of lie to myself and lie to you a little bit through this this fiction so we don't get too upset. And then she says, eh, if our love is a sad and earthbound thing, let us fly to the heavens above. It is so easy to do here. You'll see. And then they just start, like, <gasps> running around. And, like, they she goes up to the flies and shit, and she's running around. Um, this girl has nothing to lose. 
I think I think the abridged version really not only robs Christine of some of her intelligence, but of her desperation, which is just so key to understanding why she does what she does. Like this girl, she's so stressed. Like she's so stressed. And it's like that part of like when you know shit is like things are gonna end or like things are gonna end poorly or, you know, even just like a vacation's coming to an end or whatever. And it's like, look, we're not going to talk about real shit anymore. Like, we're going to do some structured activities. We're going to do some silly stuff because I don't want to think about reality because the reality is fucking bleak. When Jack says he's going to write a strongly worded letter. Sorry, I cut you off to talk about Titanic. I And I thank you for it because let's be honest. So this also made me think, like, I just thought about this now, but she's flying, like, they're just, like, sprinting around, like, this, this stage, but they're on the flies and shit. Like, I don't know if she gives a shit about safety anymore. Because Rao's like, dude, I'm not coming after you or whatever. She's, like, on these flies. And she's like, haha, like, are you a sailor? It's almost like she's, like, drunk what on this, she, like... What does she have she to doesn't lose? Care of any, yeah, she has nothing to lose. And then they come down or whatever. And then there's, like, kind of a cute little interlude where people are getting yelled... The ballerinas are getting yelled at. And they're all in their little... Um, they're in, like, a little rehearsal. So we get a little center stage moment. And... Uh, um, yeah. Also mostly cut out. Like it says she goes and gives the dancers little treats, but it it's just a very cute description of their like they're too big to be in the little girl class, but they're not teens yet. Yeah. She's in there. They're like the and teens. they're just getting absolutely yelled at. And so yeah, she gives them candy because like that's cute. Ooh. But it's it seems like she's saying goodbye to the opera house. Oh God. It was the class for they're nine or ten, but they were already got up in the deck. De- is he saying? Is he saying they're already being gotten ready for? I don't know. I know. I had that same thought. I'm not sure. We can't do a discourse today. We can't. But it says having a low neckline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They're thinking towards the future, and they're already being dressed slightly grown. Christine just brings them candy. She's like, don't grow up too fast. I'm getting too goddamn emotional over it. This is what I'm talking about. And I think, and this is how she also treats Raul, I think, a little bit. Where she's just like, I wish I had these, like, childish issues now. But, like, I'm fucking grown in a way that I didn't really ask to be because of this, like, opera ghost situation. The way I thought we were just going to scream laugh at Raul this whole episode. And that's not what happened. It got too real. got too real. Yeah, Christine said never grow up Taylor Swift featuring her. Um, mm. So then she, like, they go through the costumes. Um, she showed him her realm, which was unreal but vast. It covered 17 floors from the lowest cellar, well, to the roof, and was inhabited by an army of her subjects. She went among them like a well-loved queen, jollying them along in their labors. So, like, Christine Daya doesn't have any friends, but at the same time, like... Everyone likes her. She's nice. She's giving advice to a seamstress whose hand hesitated to cut the rich fabrics intended to dress heroes and heroines. The inhabitants of this country practice every imaginable trade from shoesmith to goldsmith. They all had Mm -hmm. learned to love her for she took an interest in their troubles and knew all their little ways. I feel like we also get kind of through that we get a sense of how did this woman meet Rick? She gives a shit about the shoesmith and like the seamstress and like all these people she's the one who's like buddies with the janitors at her work she doesn't care about ranks or anything like that so it makes a lot of sense that like eric would see this and be like okay i have a chance she does not seem to vibe with any of her peers 
So it's like Christine Daae in her free time just wandering around the opera house, which she seems very familiar with. Friends with uh, people who were squatting there, but also like all the oh my workers. God. And I'm, it's like, okay, so did she do that before Eric took an interest in her? Because... Mm. That's what she knew to do because she wasn't raised fancy. She was raised like these are working class people and that's how she grew up. So did she come by these friendships and like this familiarity with the place before because that's where she Mm. feels comfortable? Or did Eric kind of forbid her to leave? And this is how she's been passing the time. I lean toward the former because it's cute, but also if she is forbidden to leave with the passages that have been cut out, I'm expecting whole conversations between Eric and Christine to be revealed to me that I've simply never heard before. I feel like she maybe could have begun to explore with people that she feels safe with because they're on her level and then just gotten even more into that the more she's reined in by Rick. I don't know. (sighs) Yeah, so there's like squatters who just simply live up there which is interesting and they're just like she's cool with them and she's like hey like this is my boyfriend and yeah they just like talk and like share stories managements had come and gone and they had been forgotten I don't know this is kind of interesting because it's like we're not talking about Eric but you also kind of get a sense of like it's possible to you know there's like regular ish people doing this Yeah, outside, the history of France had continued to unfold without their noticing, and no one remembered them. They're off the grid. The IRS doesn't know where these people are. This makes Leroux, Eric, at least, make a lot more sense to me. Yeah, I like that if you just were like, hey, like, did you know there was like a whole like Paris commune? They'd be like, what? Imagine not knowing about January 6th. It's these people. (laughs) Right, exactly. They're like, I don't follow the news. They have no idea that there was a pandemic. So they, yeah. So the press just days passed and they're just like both pretending to be really into this because if they don't do that, then they have to face the reality that time is ticking and like he's going to have to leave and they're going to have to have some tough conversations and like they don't really mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. But this much was certain. Christine, until then the stronger of the two, suddenly became very tense and apprehensive. During their outings, she would start to run for no reason and then stop dead and reach out to hold Raoul with a hand which had gone from warm to ice in an instant. So she's kind of like, she's a little off. She's very, very tense. She's kind of like, oh, like, let's go over there. So she's like trying to avoid having like a conversation. Raoul would try to say something, mm-hmm. ask questions, and she would be like, no, 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 like, don't worry about it. Like, let's keep it moving. And then we get to... We do have to talk about this legally. Uh, Rick, watch. There's an open trap door. And Ral's like, huh, you've shown me around the upper part of your kingdom, Christine, but people tell strange stories about what goes on beneath it. Should we? Let's let's go check it out. And she's just like... <gasps> she uh, like pulls him away violently. She grabs him away from the, the black hole. And she goes, I forbid you to go down there. Anyway, it doesn't belong to me. Everything that's under the ground is his. And Raul is like, oh, so that's where he lives, is it? And she's like, who said that? <laughs> Poor Christine. Maybe, maybe you did. And I don't know if it was a Freudian slip, a cry for help. But girl, she's like, she's like what are you talking about? You always take things the wrong way. He didn't. It's so funny. She she's did like, pretty <laughs> much just say that. Yeah, she keeps like uh, saying things that like she she's like, this will make sense to him. This will cut off this conversation. And it just makes him want to ask more. And then he wanted to like look at the trap door and then the trap door snaps shut. It happened so quickly. They never saw the hand that closed it and was left totally nonplussed. And he goes, was that him? 
was he lurking there? And she goes, no, of course not. Uh, it's like the, the trapdoor guy. They, they, they need to pretend to be busy. So they, they're always snapping trapdoors shut and shit we like that tell, to, like, you know, justify their <laughs> We tell ourselves stories in order to live. She's like doormen open and close doors. Like, Harry, that's you how they pass the time. Exactly. Uh, famously, you have not finished reading this book. Who do you think it was? I think it was the the man that is on the payroll who just opens and shuts trap doors to pass the time. That's who I think it is. Final answer. I, I mean, that ska band, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I think had like a dude that like he's in the band, but he would just dance. So this is like that. Yeah. Nope. No, I mean, it was definitely him. It's Rick. But but she has stories. Yeah. He goes, well, what if it was him, Christine? And this is what makes me think like, because some people are like, oh, why would she talk to Raul knowing that Rick is in the walls all the time? She says this, which makes me think like she's not stupid. Mm -hmm. She because now she knows he's not an angel. If, if if she thought he was still an angel, I don't think she would be acting the way she is. But she knows he's no. just some guy. And so she knows he goes, no, it wasn't. He's locked himself away. He's working. And he goes, really? He works, which is hilarious, which right. He does not have a nine to five. Yes, and he can't be opening and shutting traps and work at the same time. We're quite safe. First of all, bold move. Second of all, um, no heart emoji. Come on now. Many times it stated how trusting and innocent she is. So it's like, even given Rick all Rick's behaviors, the fact that she would believe, no, he's composing. He's definitely not here. And I mean, clearly she's scared. She is telling herself this to try to convince herself of it. Yeah, because she says afterwards, she goes, uh oh. She really wants to believe it, but... But he, like, yeah, because, like, Raoul pushes on her, and she says, kind of, like, at the end, she's like, oh, no, what if it was him? Because, like, yeah, even she doesn't, like, quite believe, like, the thing. But, yeah, Raoul's like, I'm sorry, what what job? <laughs> it's just so funny, like, that Raoul's just like, I'm sorry, this man works, and he, like, can't get over it. Exactly. <laughs> which is so funny. And she goes, what, he goes, what does he work at? And she goes, this is something terrifying, which is why we're perfectly safe. When he's working on it, he has no eyes for anything else. He doesn't eat or drink and hardly breathes for days and nights. He's like a walking corpse. He doesn't have time to play around with traps. He's the night king. Um, and so then they listen to the trap and yeah. she, he's like, are you frightened of him? And she's like, no, like a liar. Mm -hmm. And he feels really bad. And then he kind of gives us a nice, I'm here. And the words somehow sounded like a threat. And she glanced up at him in surprise. This is wild. Prodigy of courage and strength. She seemed to be wondering what value might be put on his bold, chivalrous, but quite futile reaction. She kissed him like a sister, tenderly rewarding a younger brother for raising his puny fists to defend her against the ever-present dangers of life. Puny! But again, we have this, like, brotherly situation. Yeah. He's getting brother-zoned so hard. She's like, you have no idea what you're up against, dude. Like, yeah. you think you can fight? And, like, I'm sure you've taken, like, noblemen, like, sword fighting lessons. And, like, you took fencing a couple times. Like, you're not going to be able to, like, fight this crazy-ass dude. And so, Raoul understood and turned crimson with shame. He felt as helpless as Christine. He thought... She says she's not afraid, yet she's shaking as she moves us away from the trap. It was true. On the next day in the days that followed, they relocated their strange chased, chased courtship to the attics far from the traps. Christine became more agitated as the days passed until one afternoon 
She arrived very late, her face pale and her eyes red with such obvious despair that Raoul resolved to try every last expedient and stop at nothing. For example, the one that he came out with straight away was that he would not leave for the North Pole unless she told him the secret of the man with the voice. She's like, for the love of God, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up because he might hear you. It is a slightly new tactic. He's not doing, we'll swear our, you know, to each other. He's like, just, just tell me and I will go. But I need you to just tell me. I'm not asking you to even promise anything. Just tell me. Yeah. He's like, I just care about you. And this guy is upsetting you. I need to free you from his power. I swear you'll never give him another thought. It could happen. And so she's dragging him all the way up to the tippity top of the theater. And he's like, I'll hide you away. He'll never find you. It's Anthony and Joanna from Sweeney Todd. And she snapped to attention a little bit when he was like, I'll fight him here. It's and who knows what Rick. We know Rick was fucking yelling at her about something because why else would she be that upset? And she's just so low. And I think it's interesting that this is where she allows herself to think. Maybe he could get me free. Maybe he could. Maybe I would let that happen regardless of my very conflicted feelings for this other man. Yeah. I will hide you away from in some isolated place. He'll never find you. You will be safe. Then I shall leave for you have sworn that you will never marry. So he's kind of like, he's kind of coming around to this idea, which is sad. Um, but I am. Um, no, I absolutely, I do believe that this Raul He's like, if we're not supposed to be together, we're not supposed to be together, but I will get you away from this. It's not okay. <laughs> like, Yeah. And so I think she's also kind of realizing like, okay, like this is real. Like this guy, because before he was like, I'll fight him and like, I'll win. And then like, I'll win you. And she's like, well, I'm not going from like, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire here. But and also you now he's but... kind of right. <laughs> it's very different. But she's kind of like, okay, he's not going to give up. But also like his intentions are true, or at least that's what I'm seeing as like a reader and so she's just like we have to like we're not far enough away from this man that we can have this conversation and so she's like we're where are we going Kristen to the roof to the roof I just okay so in the Peros chapter it notes that he was talking to her like she was his property and in the chapter before when he was visiting her at like mama Valerius's house she was like uh it, it's truly none of your business. The only person who should be able to talk to me like that is my husband and I don't have one. He doesn't want to treat her like property. It's just the way that it is. But it's interesting to me that like he has ceased speaking to her in that way. It's not about him anymore. And I don't know. Yeah, he's he's learning and growing. And he's like, look, I don't care what happens like, but I'm not going to leave you this miserable like under this guy's power so she's like we're going to the roof and so they're just like scrambling i was like i don't know how this girl is doing this in skirts but they're scrambling up through to the roof it says yet however careful she was to keep looking over her shoulder we switch into a third person omniscient here which is really interesting because we've been in Raoul's head i think for a while and all of a sudden we switched no warning to this third person omniscient because like neither of them know what's going on and i think that that's really interesting uh however careful she was to keep looking over her shoulder she failed <laughs> to see a shadow which followed her as closely as her own shadow stopping when she stopped setting off again when she set off and made no more noise than her shadow raul noticed nothing when he could see christine in front of him he had no interest in anything that might be happening behind him we did it team <laughs> But also very funny that uh, I know that they don't mean 
that she's climbing up a ladder and he, her ass is in his face, but <laughs> I like to think that that's also why he's not thinking about Rick right now. Yeah, but also she's terrorized, but unfortunately horny that he's in such alignment with her that he just like instinctively stops. And this is what's wrong with... Ugh. No, she's in fear for her life as she should be. But also it's a shadow which followed her as closely as her own shadow. Yeah, that's Rick. That's Rick. That's what he does. I know. Uh, prediction corner. I think, based on what I know about the musical, that Raul and Christine are going to profess their love and like make some plans on the rooftop. And I think Rick is going to get real fucking mad. So the next chapter is Apollo's Liar. Big, big chapter coming up. Big things. Bigger than the Peros chapter, I dare say. Ooh, oh, I'm excited. Do, do we have anything else? Do you have a quote from your diary? And remember, people, if you review our podcast and we go, oh, thank you so much, uh, we will continue reading Kristen's diary. And also follow us on Instagram. We are on Instagram at Traveled. You will find us. You'll see our little logo. But yeah, follow us on Instagram. Make sure you hit subscribe. We're doing every other Sunday. We're posting an episode. I'd like to do more, but this takes a while. And editing takes a while. We are audio engineers on top of being full-time employees of the capitalist system. Yeah. No, this is just a, uh, a teaser. I have found the point in my journal where I was reading Phantom by Susan Kay, and I was traumatized. <sighs> I have to stop. I have to go to chapel. P.S. So far, I've written 10 curse words in here. Uh, we were just in a very different space. So I was reading Phantom for the first time at the Spiritual Emphasis Retreat. Absolutely shook. But so the first snippet I read, that goes out to whoever shouted out our deep cuts. On our next episode, I'll do one for whoever said weird jokes uh chaotic you got something coming to you so and that that's the kind of yeah that's the energy uh, we're bringing. for yeah good reviews and us hitting uh 100 people on instagram <laughs> i will continue yes. to read my clownery so yes. yes like subscribe tell a friend and uh find us on instagram at laro less traveled we here for you we here for you all right we'll see you next week or in two bye <laughs>
No, Raul gives me huge, like, debate me energy. Like, 